Hey everyone, this is Mike DeBliss, tax attorney. In this podcast, I'm going to explain how to calculate the miscellaneous offshore penalty under the Streamlined Domestic Procedures. Under the Streamlined Domestic Procedures, there is what's called a 5% miscellaneous offshore penalty that must be paid. Um, It's equal to 5% of the highest aggregate balance slash value of the taxpayer's foreign financial assets that are subject to the miscellaneous offshore penalty during the years in the covered tax return period and the covered FBAR period. So that in itself is a mouthful. And as we all know, every single word has a precise meaning when we are dealing with uh, tax and we are dealing with um, the IRS. So as a way of backing our way into this, why don't we start with defining what a foreign financial asset is? Because as you recall, um, the uh, penalty is equal to 5% of the highest aggregate balance slash value of the taxpayer's foreign financial assets. So what is a foreign financial asset? Well, a foreign financial asset um, includes um, the uh, financial accounts held at foreign financial institutions. That, of course, is the one that probably immediately comes to mind. Um, it's also uh, in, It also includes financial accounts held at a foreign branch of a U.S. bank. It's, um, it includes foreign stock or securities not held in a financial account, foreign mutual funds, and foreign hedge funds and foreign private equity funds. Uh, so it's not just limited to those. Um, it, however, does include those. Um, so right away, you should begin to get an idea that the um, that it that this penalty um, includes a broader base of assets than the miscellaneous offshore penalty under the OVDP program does. Um, because under OVDP, we are simply referring to um, undisclosed foreign bank accounts during the eight-year disclosure period. Here, under Streamlined, we are dealing not only with undisclosed foreign bank accounts held at foreign financial institutions and at foreign branches of U.S. financial institutions, but we are also dealing with other um, foreign financial assets, those uh, being foreign stock or securities that are not held in a financial account, foreign mutual funds, and foreign hedge funds, and foreign private equity funds. So what would uh, trigger the uh, requirement that these other foreign financial assets um, be um, included in the penalty calculation? Well, the IRS specifically states that a foreign financial asset is subject to the 5% miscellaneous offshore penalty if the asset should have been but was not reported on a Form 8938 for that year. So Form 8938 is our specific foreign financial asset form. It um, is included. It's in the 1040 
Um, and so you may not uh, be too familiar with it because it's um, uh, found at the back of the 1040, but it gets um, submitted along with the uh, U.S. Individual Income Tax Return. And Form 8938 um, essentially refers to other foreign financial assets. Um, it, it includes, of course, um, undisclosed, or it includes, of course, foreign bank accounts, but it also includes other foreign financial assets that are not captured on an FBAR. Um, so if the asset should have been but was not reported on a Form 8938 for the year in question, then that foreign financial asset would be included in the base of assets um, that uh, must be um, figured into the calculation of the miscellaneous offshore penalty. Now, this is where things get a little complicated. A foreign financial asset may also be subject to the 5% miscellaneous offshore penalty in a given year in the covered tax return period if the asset was properly reported for that year on a Form 8938, but gross income with respect to that asset was not reported in that year. So before you go jumping for joy, um, you know, that the foreign financial asset was specifically mentioned on the 8938, you have to ensure that the um, you have to ensure that the gross income with respect to that asset was similarly reported in that year in order for it uh, to um, be left out of the penalty calculation. To the extent that the foreign financial asset was properly reported on the 8938, but gross income with respect to the asset was not reported in that year, then it must be included in the calculation of our notorious miscellaneous offshore penalty. Very, very, very important to recognize that. Now, so now that we've established um, the IRS, what in, what's included by this um, broad term foreign financial assets, we now can talk about the how to determine the highest aggregate balance slash value. If you recall, um, I opened up this podcast specifically by defining what the miscellaneous offshore penalty was. And I'm going to go. I'm going to circle back to that just so we have um, we have a general understanding of this definition. The miscellaneous offshore penalty is equal to five percent of the highest aggregate balance slash value of the taxpayer's far, foreign financial assets um, that are um, that are subject to the penalty during the years in the covered tax return period and the covered FBAR period. Okay, so now uh, we need to know a couple of things. What or how is the highest aggregate balance value determined? Well, it's determined by aggregating. Aggregating is just a fancy word for adding the year-end account balances and year-end asset values of all the foreign financial assets that fall within the broad scope of the miscellaneous offshore penalty. 
and um, for each of the years in the covered tax return period and the covered FBAR period, and then selecting the highest aggregate balance from among those years. So let me uh, repeat that once again. It The highest aggregate balance slash value is determined by adding the year and account balances of our unreported foreign bank accounts and the year-end asset values of all those foreign financial assets that uh, we've determined are subject to the penalty for each of the years in the covered tax return period and the covered FBAR period. And then basically um, doing a stare and compare and and looking at each of those values um, and selecting the highest aggregate balance slash value from among those years. And then once we've selected or isolated the highest aggregate balance slash value from among our um, look back period, we uh, pluck it out and we multiply it by 0.05 and come up with our miscellaneous offshore penalty. The next question becomes one of what is the covered tax return period and what is the covered FBAR period. For purposes of making a streamlined submission, our covered tax return period is the last three years uh, or the most recent three years for which the U.S. tax return due date or properly applied for extended due date has passed. And what that means Um, in a very quick and dirty example, is that if we are sitting here in December of 2018, which is um, the uh, exact time frame that I'm recording this podcast, um, we know that the April 15th, 2000, uh, or the April um, 18th, 2018 deadline for filing our 2017 tax return has passed. Um, Even if an extension was applied for and was granted, that would have taken us to October of 2018. And that extension date has passed as well. So we would, for purposes of determining our look back period for submission of our tax return, we would extrapolate from 2017 back to 2015. Um, and we would then be filing amended tax returns for 2015, 2016, and 2017. So the covered tax return period uh, for um, purposes of a streamlined submission would be the most recent three years for which the U.S. tax return due date or properly applied for extended due date has passed. And as I'm sitting here in December of 2018 recording this podcast with you all, um, it would be tax years 15, 16, and 17. Now, how about our covered FBAR period? Well, the covered FBAR period goes back well beyond the last three or the most recent three years. Instead, the FBAR period goes back six years. And so what we're talking about when it comes to submission of FBARs um, and what year FBARs we have to file as part of the Streamline program and um, what, uh, you know, what end of year uh, balances will be uh, needed to 
uh, determine our aggregate balance for each year, again, we will use the most recent three, the most recent six years for which the FBAR due date has passed. Now, for those who follow FBARs um, very closely, uh, you're aware, or you're probably aware, that the FBAR due date was um, made was uh, changed in the last two years and was um, basically um, the uh, deadline was changed to be consistent with the filing of 1040s. So essentially, the FBAR is due on April 15th um, for the, uh, you know, for the, for the prior year. So if we're sitting here in December of 2018, um, as I am right now, the uh, most recent FBAR that should have been filed um, should have been filed on April 17th of 2018, and that would be the 2017 FBAR. Now, there's an automatic extension that's granted if the taxpayer misses that April uh, 15th deadline. This year it was April 17th, I believe. Um, but there is an automatic six-month extension that is granted. Um, the taxpayer need not apply for it. Um, and essentially, um, that would take the deadline for filing the 2017 FBAR all the way to October of 2018. Um, and again, to the extent that the taxpayer files on or about October, on or before, I should say, October 15, 2018, their 2017 FBAR, it's considered timely filed. Um, so the most recent six-year period would have as the um, most recent tax year 2017, or most recent FBAR um, uh, being 2017, and then we would extrapolate six years back to 2012. So for purposes of a streamlined submission, we're talking about having to file delinquent FBARs for 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17. Now, the significance of that is that um, any undisclosed foreign bank accounts that are disclosed on the delinquent FBARs for 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, the end-of-year balances of those accounts must be added up for each one of those six years. Um, and those uh, end-of-year uh, balances must be added to the values of any foreign uh, financial assets that uh, are par for the course when it comes to calculating the miscellaneous offshore penalty. And once we add up the end-of-year balances, uh, year by year, of each account, um, and we add those up to the end-of-year values of our foreign financial assets that uh, are par for the course for the miscellaneous offshore penalty, we then come up with a value for each year. And um, there will be values from, for 2012, 2013, 2014. If you've been following along, um, those values for 12, 13, and 14 will be limited to the undisclosed foreign bank account 
end of year balances because keep in mind that the um, that the foreign that um, the foreign financial um, assets uh, or the look back period or the covered tax return period is only for the most recent three years um, and not it doesn't go back beyond three years for FBAR purposes however it does go beyond three years so for FBAR purposes we start at 12 we end at 17 for the ca- the covered tax return period we would go back to 15 only um, but nonetheless we're going to have a chart and if you can envision this in your mind this chart will have tax years 12 13 14 15 16 17 and there will be values under each year and those values will represent our um, our aggregate balance uh, slash value of the taxpayers foreign financial assets and we simply select out of that six-year period the highest aggregate balance slash value and that becomes the base to which we apply the 5% penalty now there are other international reporting forms and um, by other international reporting forms what I am referring to are the forms that um, we have come to know all too well Uh, they include form 8621 They include 8938, Specific Foreign Financial Assets. They include Forms 3520, Form 5471, 5472, 926. Um, You can Google these forms and they'll come right up. The IRS requires, as part of a streamlined submission, that those forms accompany the amended individual income tax return. And the significance or bearing that that has on calculation of our penalty is that if you recall, a foreign financial asset includes a broader base of assets than just the foreign or than just the undisclosed foreign bank accounts. As I mentioned at the top of this podcast, it includes foreign stock or securities. Um, foreign mutual funds, foreign hedge funds, and foreign private equity funds. A lot of those foreign financial assets are disclosed on one or more of the forms that I've just mentioned. Um, And to the extent that um, they were not included on the appropriate form and to the extent that... Um, or to the extent that they were included on the appropriate form, but gross income with respect to the asset was not reported that year, then they would be included in um, determining the aggregate balance slash value of the taxpayer's foreign financial assets for that year in question. Um, So let me give you a quick and dirty example. If we're talking about, um, for example, Um, a foreign mutual fund. Um, The foreign mutual fund was not included on the um, was not included on the form 8621. Um, What would then happen is that that is at the end of year value for that foreign mutual fund would be added to the end of year value for the 
um, foreign undisclosed foreign bank accounts for that year. And those those two amounts would be added up and a total uh, would be arrived at. And that total would be uh, segregated or isolated for that particular year. And then we would do the same for each um, each year in the disclosure period, keeping in mind, of course, that we only have an obligation to uncover, if you will, the end-of-year values of foreign financial assets other than undisclosed foreign bank accounts that go back three years in time. We don't have the obligation to go all the way back six years in time to uh, determine whether there was any non-compliance on the foreign mutual fund front. Um, it only applies the six-year look-back period to undisclosed foreign bank accounts. All other foreign financial assets um, that should have been but weren't reported on a Form 8938 or that were reported on a Form 8938 but that um, but whose gross income uh, was not reported, um, those only have a three-year look-back period. And uh, we'd only go back to 2015 to determine the end-of-year values of those foreign financial assets. And to the extent that there was non-compliance, we would include those end-of-year values in the um, uh, in determining what the aggregate balance um, of the taxpayers' foreign financial assets were for um, for any one of those years. And then once we have come up with aggregate uh, with an aggregate balance value for each year, again, it'll be over a six-year period. Um, what we would do is isolate the highest aggregate balance or value um, of the taxpayers' foreign financial assets over that six-year period. We pluck it out. Um, we isolate it. We multiply it by 0.05. And that's how we arrive at the miscellaneous offshore penalty. It is a bit um, circuitous and it can be a little bit complicated. Um, there's obviously, um, you know, a lot of, um, you know, a lot of technicality involved in this process. Um, but uh, at the end of the day, really what it comes down to is, um, you know, knowing what end-of-year values um, go into um, the aggregation uh, for that particular year. And um, then, essentially, uh, once we have identified what foreign financial assets go into the um, calculation of the aggregate uh, balance slash value for that year, looking at our entire six-year period and isolating the highest aggregate balance slash value and um, extracting that and multiplying it by 0.05. Keep in mind, it's not 0.05 times the aggregate uh, balance slash value for each year, okay? Because that's a mistake that a lot of people make. Um, instead of taking the highest aggregate balance value over the six-year look-back period, what uh, some people think is that it's necessary to take the aggregate balance slash value 
of um, in each year, multiply that by 0.05 and then add all six of those numbers together. That is not how it works. You're taking the highest aggregate balance slash value over the six-year period, isolating it, and then uh, plucking it out and then multiplying it by 0.05. And that becomes the miscellaneous offshore penalty for uh, the taxpayer. If you have any questions uh, concerning anything that was discussed here, please uh, feel free to contact me. Hit me up on um, LinkedIn or on Twitter. My handle is MJ DeBliss. I'm more than happy to answer any questions as I know this is a very uh, complicated area and a very confusing area. Um, And the last thing in the world that you want to do is uh, calculate a penalty like this wrong because um, that could result in a staggeringly higher penalty than what um, is otherwise due. All the best.